Good morning, everyone. My name is Allison, but before uh, I really dive in, I wanted to give a chance for Dr. Brian Lujioyo to come up and share a few things. Uh, Seattle Pacific University has orientation and some stuff going on this week. And uh, yes, please look official and use the lectern. <laughs> Thank you, Allison. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as we already heard, next week is our Celebration Sunday, and it's also Orientation Weekend for Seattle Pacific University. Now, this church has had a founding relationship with that university just across the street, and we participated in over 130 years of caring and loving and being blessed and being a blessing to those students. And this year, for Orientation, we're on the agenda, we're on the schedule. So next week, this is gonna look a lot different because the hundreds of freshmen and their families are being invited to worship with us. And so we are gonna be celebrating with them and, and practicing hospitality in this kind of open invitation kind of theme that we have. Now, I like to sit in the back row. Uh, and today we're sitting in the front, and it's awkward <laughs> to sit there in the front. But I was counting before I came in, and the pews seat around 12 to 14 people comfortably. Next week, we're gonna have to get tight. And if I put my mind of kind of a freshman coming into a new space, guess where I'm gonna wanna sit? Yeah. Guess where the majority of us sit? <laughs> right? We're sitting in the back. So uh, I want to encourage us to think next week as we are going to be hospitable and practicing uh, and leaning into the project we started 130 years ago about making space. And think, remember, where can I sit closer up the front knowing that there's going to be some people that are going to want, us, want my seat in the back. And then if, if there's... Um, if we're in the aisles, we're going to probably want to go in the middle because as soon as people come in, they're going to want to kind of easy access. We want it as easy and hospitable for them as possible. So just keep that in mind. And, we, and, and, and let's, uh, again, this year, as, in many, as many years in the past, practice loving these students. What a mission field that we have that we've launched as Free Methodists. And so um, I thank you for this ministry. Uh, I thank you for the way you've sustained it, and I look forward to you know, practicing it with you uh, next Sunday and many Sundays ahead. Thank you. Cool. Well, thank you. Uh, let's all make sure that we pay attention to where Dr. Brian sits next Sunday. We can maybe get the live stream to follow him with a live cam uh, and see... Which, speaking of, hi everybody on live stream. It's good to be with you. It's good to be with you all who are here in this space. My name is Allison. I always 
feel like it's a bit of a homecoming and already you've been being so hospitable. I've gotten to say hi to many of you. Some of you I haven't seen for a couple years. Sometimes we see in the Facebook. Uh, some, it was just recent. So I'm so glad to see you. For those who I don't know, it's good to be with you here this morning and to be a part of this series that is all about hospitality. I mean, you've had different themes over the last few weeks about turning up the love of people who are committed to following Jesus. How is it that you share your faith? Uh, how do you step into God's dream of people and places knowing and experiencing the fullness of God's love and healing? Uh, how do you extend hospitality and not just invite people to eat, but also to experience the fullness of God? And let's be real, how do you do that with a whole bunch of incoming freshmen, uh, apparently, and students coming from all over the place? Uh, I, I love all of this. Uh, this week, I was just talking with a, a friend of mine who used to live in Seattle. She said, yeah, Allison, you know, uh, we're thinking of moving back to Washington. I don't know about Seattle, though, because Seattle, it's hard. Uh, she named that Seattle is hard, and she went on to describe, and she just said, you know, maybe it's just that I don't have the evangelistic gift, or maybe I'm just not bold enough. But trying to be a person who is hospitable in this whole faith space is really hard in Seattle. And I think it's important that we acknowledge that reality for us as those who live here. Uh, and there's this environment that we're in because people can be hostile sometimes to things about faith. People can be judgmental. Even Christians can be judgy to one another and about one another. And lots of people, we know the city, would rather just go to brunch or a brewery on a Sunday morning than come into a church building. Well, the Seattle Times recently published an article uh, called How to Seattle which always draws my attention because I've been here for almost 15 years, but I'm always curious, how do I Seattle? Uh, and one of the things that comes up a lot when it talks about this place that we all call home and live in is that there's people who say, we have this invisible wall sometimes between people. Uh, there can be this aversion to eye contact and greetings. And I do this now because I have been here so long. I avert my eyes. I question, do I want to greet you right now? I don't know. It's a Seattle thing. It's a part of our city. Uh, there's a tendency for people to flake on plans. This happened to me this morning. Maybe I'll see you, maybe I won't. I'm not sure, maybe possibly, potentially, we can check in and I'm not sure. I'm like, welcome to Seattle in 2023. Uh, and lots of people are just so busy in this city. They don't have time for any more relationships than the ones they've already got or they've resigned themselves to like, maybe I'm just not gonna find a friend. These are all our realities being here in Seattle. And then if you do manage to melt some of that ice and go out for lunch, now think about adding in a conversation about faith and Jesus uh, and that part that just feels awkward and impossible. Uh, you don't want the conversation to come across as some Jesus-y version of Amway or a Mary Kay pitch. 
uh, people aren't buying and you're not wanting to sell. And so I think some of those fears tend to make us hold back a bit. And we all know that there's a lot that is done and said in the name of church and in the name of God that makes you cringe. Uh, stuff that makes you angry, sad, suspicious, hesitant, and you may even be pondering the exit right now. You may be wondering, should I even come next week? Well, at the same time, you know, here we're naming all of these dynamics about living in our city and trying to be people that can share this news about Jesus and be hospitable people. And at the same time, I find that uh, when I encounter people all over the city and I see people, I run into them at the gym, in coffee shops, I even drove Lyft for like a year, uh, all over the place. Actually, faith is something that does come up. Uh, it's just that when people find out that I'm some kind of committed follower to Jesus, I often get asked some version of the question, why? And, and you can hear that sense of suspicion, curiosity mixed together. But, but some people, they, they want to know a little bit more. And what comes up for me is this, when I think about that question why, and when I think about how do I engage uh, with the world and people around me, uh, I realize, you know, when we are being our best image of God's selves, and when we truly live out our theology and values, there's actually something really powerful and transformative and life-giving to this life with Jesus. So I, I took all of this. I took Pastor Craig telling me about what you've been talking about as a community, where you're at, where you're hoping to go. Um, I took all of this that I'm reading and hearing about Seattle and my own day-to-day -day interactions as I live in this city, uh, and I put them into what I call my sermon slow cooker. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm going to have to say something, but what, what is it? What's here? And so I opened up the Bible to the book of Acts. I, I read from the First Nations version in the New Testament often. I've been doing that for a couple years since it came out. And I just kind of let stuff like sit and simmer and do whatever it does. And I started to realize as I was reading through the scriptures and praying that we get this early glimpses in the book of Acts of how God's people started to organize themselves how they started to come together, how they became a particular people known as Christians, how they gathered, what they talked about, and what would continue to set them apart from others as they engaged in a very complicated world themselves. Uh, hear how Acts opens up from the First Nations version, and you'll see it up on the screen. But Acts 1.8 says this, it says, set your hearts and minds on the Holy Spirit, who will give you strong medicine when he comes. You will then tell my story in village of peace, Jerusalem, in all the land of promise, Judea, and high place, Samaria, and then to the farthest parts of the earth, to all languages, tribes, and nations. And people, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice what it says happens next. It says this group had grown into one big family about 120 of them who all trusted in creator sets free Jesus, that he was the chosen one. 
There are several points that I want to highlight uh, that come up in the scripture, and I'm actually not sure you are able to see it. Good. Um, I had to make sure. Uh, that there's several points that come up as we're looking throughout the book of Acts that I think are core to who we are, but we see our core to who these folks are. Number one is we have a story to tell. That refrain gets repeated over and over again. Two, that that story is always pushing us out of our comfort zone to cross cultures and boundaries and barriers so more and more people can hear it. And three, those who hear that story are connected together. When they receive it, they're connected together into one big family with creator sets free Jesus at its center. So if you read through the book of Acts and continue following the story, you can follow it from that moment right up into present day 2023 in Seattle. These are the key things that keep repeating. And it says that there are those who receive the story and they become the ones who it says in Acts 4.20 cannot stop speaking about what we have seen with our own eyes and heard with our own ears. If you keep at what uh, keeps drawing people together, if you look at what keeps drawing them together in the book of Acts and as a church, and what story they keep telling, you'll notice what the telling is not. Uh, they're not talking about how, oh, that church has such a great kids program. They're not talking about, oh, that church's worship is so on point. Did you hear the song that they sang? I have that YouTube playlist. Uh, that church has the best coffee. You're not seeing any of that stuff, which it's important. Please don't change the coffee. Please let it be good. It might not be there, but some of us need it. Uh, <laughs> But that's not the story that they talk about. What we see in Acts 2.47 is each day Creator sent more people who were being set free to join them. The story is those who cry out to the great spirit will be made whole and will be set free. The impact of the story on those who hear it is so powerful that others respond by saying, now how do we get in on that. In Acts 2, Peter responds and he says this, he says, well, change your hearts and lives. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This, prob this promise is for you and for your children and it's for all who are far away. This story is about you and it is always more than just about you. Our creator, it says in 239, is calling out to all who will to share in this life of beauty and harmony. Our story is that there is life-changing power and freedom in Jesus Christ that you can share in this life of beauty and harmony. You can experience healing and forgiveness and peace in your own life and in your world. And we come from a long line of people who saw that religion alone isn't enough. We come from a long line of people who were like, you know, uh, you can go to church, 
You can try to check all the boxes. You can even be a religious leader. And that stuff may make no difference in your life at all. There may be nothing there in that story that's worth telling and sharing about. There's nothing there in that story that people would be interested in hearing more about. My question for you is, so what story is worth telling? What story about God, about church, about First Free Methodist Church, uh, about life is worth sharing with others? What would you share with others? What would you want shared with you? I had a, a great opportunity to go whitewater rafting on the Wenatchee River. Has anybody done this? There's a few hands. Okay, we lived, we lived to tell about it. So there were 35 to 40 of us uh, from my gym, Rainier Health and Fitness in the South End. And they said, hey, let's go, let's hang out. So we all got into different cars and uh, they split us up into boat crews and assigned us a guide who I realized uh, is someone trained to keep us from dying. Like literally, you realize that they tell you, you will die, but I am here, wear your helmet. You will die, but I am here, you know, put on your life vest. So, so you're, you're split up into boat crews, you're there with a guide uh, who's there to help you. And so I'm with my crew and we are paddling along. And any moment that the water is still, uh, our guide, who I will call Caleb, because that was his name, uh, he would ask us questions. So um, he's asking all kinds of questions, and at one moment he asks, you know, what do you do for work? And he finds out and he says, oh, I really want to know more of your story. Uh, I want to know more about your story of coming to Christ. Now, let me remind you of where we are. Uh, you need to picture it with me. I'm sitting awkwardly on the side of an inflated raft. I am wearing a thick wetsuit that has been worn by I don't know how many people before me. Uh, I, am, I have a personal flotation device on top of that, so I'm feeling like this. I have my feet locked in and here. And, you know, I'm, I'm ready and we're, we're rowing. It's not the most comfortable. And we are navigating turbulent rapids. Uh, and the raft is awkward. It's slippery. And our guide asks me to tell my story right as we're about to hit another section of white water. So Caleb says, I really want to hear your story. And at the same time, he yells, hold on everybody so he can call out commands and we can paddle and navigate the rapids so we don't get thrown overboard. So now that you are picturing this moment with me, what would you say in that moment? How would you narrow your story down to a few short sentences between rapids? And let me add a little more context. Because Caleb is asking this question, and remember, I'm in a raft with other people from my neighborhood and from my gym, and I don't know what their faith background is. 
There are two teenage boys in the crew in the raft. There's another woman that I work out with regularly at the gym, and I'm just getting to know her. So I'm thinking not just what is worth telling Caleb, but what is worth telling these others who are in this raft with me? What would you tell in that moment? Well, for me, it, it came down to, to sharing how Jesus actually made a difference in my life. I didn't grow up in church, and when I was a teenager, I was curious about God and Jesus, and I read something that talked about how you can invite Christ into your life, uh, and how inviting Christ into your life is like asking Christ to make uh, your heart his home, and allowing him to clean and heal and be present in all areas of your life. And so I did, and I found that that love and grace actually changed me for the better. It changed what I did, it changed what I said, it changed my relationships, especially a rocky relationship I had with my dad. And I said, you know, I still feel like I'm in process, but there was a distinct before and after my deciding to follow Jesus. And all these years later, I keep finding that God's love is still transforming me through so many moments in life. Well, after navigating a few more rapids, Caleb shared that he was so excited to hear my story because Christ has made such a radical difference in his life. And literally, Christ saved him from death and being caught up in addiction, and he had nowhere else to turn. And it was clear that Caleb had the story that he could not stop telling and sharing. It was this story of how Jesus makes a difference in people's lives, and it's the story of God's people. You can look back all the way to Acts, and you can look to today. This is the story that brings us together in all kinds of places and situations and is worth sharing. And in the book of Acts, that's the story that they kept telling and talking about. It's what they celebrated. It's what they shared with others. You can look around. You'll also notice something else that's interesting in the book of Acts. There were no designated church buildings that you can see around as we know them. People gathered wherever people gathered. And they would tell their story whenever opportunity presented itself. And that is actually a part of the story for how this community known as First Free Methodist Church came to be. If you follow our roots, and I know several of you know it well, but John Wesley is a key leader who, where we trace our theological roots, and he experienced this uh, powerful love of God in his life, and it transformed him personally, and he noticed that church buildings often pose too much of a barrier for people to hear this story. And so he famously said, the world is my parish. And he said, go to where people are, and when you talk about God and faith, do it in a way that normal, everyday people can understand. And that is what launched a movement that eventually spread its way into the United States, and eventually, uh, from some New Yorkers who decided to follow the, the Western expansion and, and growth out this way. Uh, they came out here to Seattle, 
And that's how First Free Methodist came to be, a group of people who couldn't stop telling their story, and wherever they found themselves, they kept telling it and telling it and telling it. Now, I hope you don't hear me saying that this is easy. If you keep reading the book of Acts, this is what I like, is that it isn't easy. It doesn't claim it is easy. And you don't see that everybody responds so positively to who Jesus is and what God is doing in the world, which leads the early followers to pray this prayer. They say in Acts 4, So we ask, O great one, look down and see their threats against us. Help us to be brave and tell your story well by performing many powerful signs as we represent your holy servant, creator sets free Jesus. We have a story to tell. It's centered on the love and freedom and healing that God brings in and through Jesus, which always sounds good when it includes you. But what about when you hit that invisible wall? Remember, we started out by talking about these things of where we live. What about the hard people? What about uh, that person? What about those that you find that are judgmental or don't seem open or you're just unsure or it feels really awkward? What about those people? Uh, Yes, I mean even those people. God's story feels threatening to some because of just how far God's love reaches. Because here we have this God who loves crossing cultures and boundaries and barriers, and God's love always pushes us out of our comfort zone. And so Acts starts out naming what sounds like this ideal church. But then as happens, you know what those people did, that wonderful loving family? This often happens. They start to get more organized. They have this wonderful inclusive family, and it starts to turn inward. And now all those delicious house church meals, all that sharing of the good things are feeling real nice. And, and they don't want to disrupt that good flow. Uh, they don't want to reach out beyond the familiar faith family. So they kind of start to get insular and just focused on one another. But God wants his people to live out and experience the fullness of the story So we start to see, as Acts continues, these key leaders having encounters with the Holy Spirit and with people outside of their comfort zone. And in Acts 8, you see Philip. He's on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza. Notice, not in a church building. He's out uh, commuting. It's a route that is traveled by all kinds of people from all over the world. And he encounters an Ethiopian eunuch, someone who is of a different race and nationality than Philip, and someone who comes from a sexual minority. And it says, the spirit told Philip, approach this carriage and stay with it. So here you have this moment where God is inviting Philip to step out of his comfort zone. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading out of the prophet Isaiah, and Philip hears him and says, do you really understand what you are reading? And this is where there's a point of decision for Philip. How will he tell God's story in this moment? Will he tell it well? Well, continuing in verse 35, it says, Starting with that passage, Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus to him. 
As they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, water, what would keep me from being baptized? And this is another crucial point of decision, because there are plenty of people that might draw a boundary line here and say, no, you're too different than us to be a part of the family. But in verse 38, it says, he ordered that the carriage halt. Both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water where Philip baptized him. You can fast forward in Acts, and there's this uh, to another early church leader, and this time it's Peter, and Peter is praying, and God gives him a vision that he doesn't understand until a little bit later when a Gentile outsider named Cornelius shows up at the place Peter is staying, and he falls at Peter's feet to show some respect, and Peter says, get up, just like you, I'm human. As the story unfolds, Peter explains, well, Jews aren't supposed to associate with outsiders like Cornelius. But his encounter with God has shown him, you know what? There's a better story here. Uh, There's a story of new life in Christ, and that story is meant for everyone. So he tells the story of the good news of Jesus to everyone there, and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And Peter experiences this new kind of freedom and transformation through this encounter. It was a kind of transformation where he could look at someone who was different than him and see their common humanity. And there is a long history of people calling themselves Christians and they can't get to that moment when they can look at, look at another person who is different than them and see, you know, this story is meant for them as well. There's a long part of our story that includes Christians that would say that certain kinds of people are less than human. And so there's times when in our story we've had to call out some specific things. And in our own story, that's a part of who we are. So this led John Wesley to write a treatise uh, on thoughts on slavery, an abolitionist treatise in 1774. Note the time, 1700s here. And in it he talks about how there are those who are being enslaved, uh, that they are human beings fully human, made in the image of God human, worthy of dignity and respect. And Wesley's argument, the story he told was basically, if you say you know and love God, then how can you treat another human being this way? There's no justice in that. That's not God's story. So let's tell a different story, a better story. Let's tell God's story. Because how can the love of God be shed abroad in the heart and life of someone who enslaves another human being? Let's bring healing and change to that part of the story. We can fast forward, and it's now the mid-1850s, and the United States is in the midst of a very polarizing time. Uh, We recognize polarizing times. We are living in one right now, and this was another one of those. And there were all these social and political issues and the countries on the brink of the Civil War. And B.T. Roberts, who's a Wesleyan Methodist leader, said, if we're going to tell the story of Jesus well, then that story has to include the good news of freedom in all its fullness. If you've ever wondered why we are free Methodists, why that is a part of our story, that was where B.T. Roberts said, let's tell what freedom is. Freedom in Christ is not just personal. Freedom also means freedom from anything or anyone that enslaves another human being. 
freedom from anything or anyone that harms another human being. And First Free has its own story of how you've continued to talk about that freedom. Freedom means women being treated equally and leading equally. Freedom is for the poor and marginalized, not just those with power and privilege. Freedom means not aligning ourselves with secret societies, which today we could talk about conspiracy theories and extremist groups. Freedom means worshiping as inspired by the Holy Spirit, which includes freedom for diverse multicultural expressions of different styles and methods and organs and pianos and guitars and hip hop and dancing and all kinds of other things that that is way too narrow of a box for me to try to define worship as just that. But that's a part of our freedom that we have celebrated. There are freedoms that are a part of our story as free Methodists, and they're a part of the story that we need to keep naming and living and telling. And I tell you that because when I was in that whitewater rafting boat, people wanted to hear more. They were curious. And whenever people are curious, and I've done this, like I said, in a whitewater raft, at the gym, in lift drives, at coffee shops, I always talk about our freedoms, these other parts of our story, because they are a part of God's story. And you know what happens when I do that? People often go, well, that sounds like something that I would want to be a part of. They say, well, that sounds like something that's actually really good. You know, I've not heard people talk about faith and God's story in that way. I would actually be open to something that cared about those things. In order for us to tell God's story well, we have to include that it's not only healing freedom and change that God brings to us personally as individuals, that's an important part. But we also have to live and talk about and tell how God's love reaches to every person, every part of society, every broken part of our world. Because that is something that people are longing to hear and longing to be a part of. And that is good news in Seattle. That is good news for the people that we encounter as we walk out these doors. And that is something that will be good news when all the students gather in this place and are curious about who you are as a faith community. When we're being our best image of God's selves, when we show up together with our church family, when we pray to the Holy Spirit, let's pray like they did in the book of Acts and say, God, help us be brave. God, help us know how to tell your story well push us out of our comfort zones. Help us navigate all this complexity, all this polarization, all that feels awkward and threatening. God, help us see and be a part of your love and healing and freedom of Jesus in every person, place, and thing around us. God, we want to tell your story. Help us tell it well because that story is a story that is worth telling again and again and again and again, and not just for you. It's a good story that people need to hear. Would you pray with me? Our God, as we're here gathered as First Free Methodist Church, I know that this is just a part of the Fuller family that you have as a part of this community. Lord, I pray that we would open our hearts and lives to you, that God, maybe there's a part where we need to hear your good story this morning. 
So God, I pray for the good news of who you are to reach into the places that need healing, places that need love, people that might be in this space looking for hope, looking for something. God, would you meet each one with good news and a good story here this morning? And God, as First Free Methodist Church continues to step in all that you have for them in the fall of 2023 as the community and as the people that they are, God, help them to be brave. Help them to get pushed outside of their comfort zones. Help them to know how is it that they can keep telling your story well. So God, send us out, push us out, meet us with good news, and help us to share it well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. appropriate that we get moved into a time and invited into a time of communion as a way of response this morning. Because Jesus gathered his people together, his disciples together, and over a common meal that he knew that wouldn't require a church building, that they would get to experience and share together over and over and over again, he took the basic elements of the bread And on that night when they were gathered, he took the bread and he gave thanks for it and he said, this is your body which is given for the world. As often as you break this bread and eat this bread, do so remembering me. And in like manner, after the supper, Jesus took the cup and after he blessed it, he said, this cup is the sign of the new covenant, of new life. This is my blood poured out for the forgiveness and healing and freedom of the world. As often as you drink of this cup, do this remembering me and my love and freedom and healing that is poured out on the world. God, we pray to pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine that you would make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body and blood of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Would you join me in praying the Lord's Prayer this morning together? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.